Yes, welcome in. We are back with another edition, piping hot out of the oven of the nation's college basketball show and podcast. It is college basketball coast to coast. I am merely the host, TJ Reeves. Ready to talk lots of round ball. What is this I see? The calendar now says February. And even though it's leap year, that means it's very, very close to the best month in all of the year, the month of March. I'm not just saying that because I was born in March. I'm not just saying that because it means that spring is in the air in most places, even though I live in Florida and it's spring to summer, like 11 and a half months out of the year. I'm saying it because of the college hoops, obviously. So we're approaching March. We have a lot to discuss, a lot to get to on the podcast. I'm going to enlist some great help on the show today coming up. In just a little bit, in fact, straight ahead, we're going to talk to a brand new uh, guest. I can't believe that we have not blogged The Bracket with Chris Dobertine, who does a great job at bloggingthebracket.com, part of the SB Nation family of websites. This is what he does. Every December, January, February, into March, he is blogging The Bracket for all of the different seedings, who's in, who's out. I'm going to do some of that with him. So Chris Dobertine is here to give you some insight on some teams on the bubble and and what he likes right now midweek here in uh, the college hoop world. Then Mark Wise, love my analyst, the former Purdue and South Florida assistant, now does a fantastic job as a game analyst with ESPN and their family of networks. Mark is primarily right now in the mode in the regular schedule of SEC basketball midweek. He'll be working South Carolina Ole Miss on the SEC network Wednesday night, depending on when you're hearing this. You may already know the result of that game. Uh, give or take, uh, with that one coming on Wednesday. Mark will then work the American Conference game Saturday noon in the city of Brotherly Shove, SMU at Temple in Philadelphia. Mark will have insight not only on SMU rising, but what about Cincinnati in that American Conference, et cetera, et cetera. And he will also have the three wise men, although it could also have a surprise on the three wise men. Who's doing well right now in college basketball players, coaches, whomever it is, So the three wise men coming up uh, here with Mark Wise in a little bit. And then Deshaun Tate will be with me. Love Tate's Take, the podcast, Tate's Take Hoops, uh, and all about uh, college basketball in particular, as he likes to say, where basketball lives. Deshaun will be on the show for the first time here in 2020, talking some Big Ten. He's got Big Ten roots and leanings. Uh, Deshaun is also based in Atlanta in ACC country. Uh, He will be at Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Tuesday night uh, in the ATL. Those are teams that are scuffling right now in the ACC. Virginia Tech has more of a chance maybe to play their way into the consciousness of the selection committee, et cetera, et cetera. So again, depending on when you're hearing this, you probably uh, have been paying attention already to the ACC results. You may already know what happened with Hokies and Yellow Jackets. But Deshaun will talk some ACC as well, including uh, Clemson and Virginia, an interesting game, Pitt and Notre Dame midweek, an interesting game. And then I'm going to ask Deshaun about who's doing an outstanding job right now that we're not talking about enough with a coaching job this year uh, in college basketball. So Deshaun Tate will close us out uh, here on the podcast. So wherever you are, wherever you're hanging out, thank you for doing so uh, as we as we head into these games. And we come off of the Monday games. We'll talk about these with Chris in just a couple of moments. Where Florida State won at home, where Kansas won at home, but Baylor goes on the road and wins at Kansas State. This is something to pay attention to. All across college basketball over the next month, you get more points with the selection committee, more of the figurative points, by going and winning games away from home. Why? Because you're about to play conference tournament games on a neutral floor, by and large. Then you will go and play NCAA tournament games on the neutral floor. Sometimes it's a home away from home game, depending on who the opponent is and how many fans they have in the building. But your home games go away in March. So the committee is going to look strongly at how did you do on the road? How did you do in a neutral setting, especially uh, back in the pre-conference? But how did you do in the road games? Whether you're talking ACC, Big 12, Big 10, Big East, Pac-12, SEC, American, Mountain West, A-10. I'm going to probably leave somebody out. Uh, Missouri Valley Horizon League, Sun Belt. How did you do on the road? in February. So this is a road opportunity for a lot of teams that we're going to be mentioning on this podcast here. Go do some damage. Uh, For a Rutgers team that's on the road with Maryland, go find a way. 
Pitt playing at Notre Dame, uh, like what we're talking about. Uh, you know, on and on down the list for you know, Mississippi State at Kentucky Tuesday night and a great opportunity matchup for them at Rupp. You want to build your, your case to be an at-large team? Go find a way to upset Kentucky uh, if you can do that. So anxious to see how all these games unfold, anxious to talk with our guests. Uh, we will get rolling forthwith here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Some great guests, some great insight, a lot in the preview mode here midweek. Let's get started. Well, I've been looking forward to this. I cannot believe on the College Basketball Coast to Coast show and podcast that we have not officially had a conversation on this show between myself and Chris Dobertine, the resident bracketologist, SBNation.com. This cannot be. I am looking like at the paperwork right here. I'm, I'm looking at my stuff, and I, it, it, you've not been on the pod. What's wrong with me that we've been talking brackets for all these years doing these shows, and I've not had you on, but it's good to have you here. Happy February, the month before the month of March. Good to have you, and the College Hoops is getting good, my friend. Thank you for having me, TJ. Hopefully I can be helpful. I'm just getting off moving into a new apartment. So the last <laughs> two days have been a little bit hectic, even okay. more hectic the than most the vital, The most point. vital questions that I ask when this comes up, number one, do we have functioning internet to keep track of the games and the scores? Functioning internet, check, yes, we have that. In the new apartment. Yes, absolutely. Yes. That was, do that we was have, the very first thing. <laughs> yes, do we have the TV up and on the walls, so that, or at least one, so that we can watch games? Forget about the dishes. Yes, where are the clothes? Forget about any furniture. <laughs> do we have the internet, and do we have the TV on the wall, Chris? Yes, I had a cable appointment right at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning, so we were all set. I even, like, I had the movers for a limited block of time. Get that TV there so we get yes. the RCN appointment set, and you know we're ready. Other cable providers are available, but I'm stuck with right. Them, yes, so just yes. Put the TV on so that we can watch 57 games <laughs> on Saturday while we eat off of a paper plate and sit on the floor in the Dobertine house yeah. because we have no furniture. Okay. Uh, all right, so this is this is getting good. We've got some very interesting things to go over. I will tease to the audience, as I did a little bit ago uh, here, that I'm going to play a little in or out game with Chris because this is what he does for SB Nation. He blogs the bracket, takes a look at the bracket, and we've got some interesting teams to go over here in a few moments uh, with that. All right, so at the time that we are taping on the College Basketball Coast to Coast podcast, we've got Monday results that are in. We know that Florida State has hung on. On to win against North Carolina. More on them in a second. We know that Kansas has beaten Texas at home, although that was a fight in top 25 play. And number one, Baylor. Let's begin right there. They're, they're number one in the AP poll, you know, give or take on what metric you want to use about them being number one. Uh, they were impressive at Kansas State. I'll begin with them. How good is Baylor? What say you? Baylor, to me, is, is far and away the best team that I've seen this year. And I go back and, you know... If you know me at all, you know that I went to Florida. So that game to me was really kind of the measuring stick because mm-hmm. they lost there two years ago. When I saw when that game started and I saw kind of the, the lineup of Baylor against Florida, I saw the way those guys looked and just how athletic and big and, and mature they are. And, and to me, that is a team that is not really going to be intimidated by anything on the road. Florida's a very difficult home, uh, home environment. They lost there, like I said, two years ago. That was going to be, to me, the game that if they were going to lose, they were going to lose that game because of the environment. Kansas State's another tough environment. They went and had a you know, relatively easy time there last night. To me, that team is solidly the number one overall seed as we move forward into the final six weeks of the season. Well, and I, I loved a couple of weeks ago that they gave a real reality check to Kansas at Fog Allen, and I, yeah. I loved how blunt Bill Self was after the game. We got our ass handed to us. Uh, he, he said it. Uh, and since then, Kansas has kind of kicked it into gear here and begun to put it together. What a surprise. Every year we have guarantees. Uh, you know, the, the whole death taxes and Kansas is going to contend or mm-hmm. win the Big 12. So, I mean, they look good against Texas on uh, on Monday night uh, in that win. This appears to be two-headed monster right now for the top team in the Big 12 with Kansas vying right there with Baylor? Yeah, I think that's going to be a very interesting game in Waco on February 22nd. You know, we could have thought with Kansas after, you know, that whole Donnie Brook against Kansas State back on the 21st, 
that they could have folded. And it looked like, you know, when Tennessee came in, you know, a Tennessee team that's not all that great, you know, with those suspensions that they could have struggled and, and they ended up pulling away late. And they really kind of kicked things together, you know, winning at Oklahoma State relatively easily. Texas Tech, you know, a very good team, probably going to end up finishing third in the Big 12, I figure, you know, kind of kept them at bay on Saturday at home. You know, and then Texas, you know, has a halftime lead on Monday night. You know, they go and, and, and pull away from them late. So this is a squad that I think has really kind of overcome that adversity, that self-inflicted adversity of that Kansas State game and has started to really pull themselves together and make themselves a very clear, you know, another clear top seed for, for this particular bracket. Yeah, they're looking good uh, on that front. All right, I know you, you just teased it. You're a Gator. You went, to, you went to Florida. I have no allegiance, even though I live in the state of Florida. Yeah. Uh, Chris, as I like to joke, <laughs> most think I live in the state of confusion, but I do live in the state of Florida. <laughs> I am a Memphis guy, and no, we're not going to talk about yeah. them because I want to vomit right now about the Tigers. <laughs> but you're not a Florida State guy, but I'm going to force you to talk about yeah. the Knowles yeah. because they get another win last night. Uh, at the time that we are taping on Monday night against North Carolina, they are clearly one of the premier teams right now in the ACC, if not the country. How good a job? I mean, Leonard Hamilton has quietly put together a program that is sustained. Uh, they, they have a 17-game home win streak. Chris, did I see this correctly? Yeah. 66-0, 60-3 in the last 63 home games playing in the ACC. How impressive is this for the, for the Seminoles? I mean, yeah, this was a team that going into the season we thought was going to be coming off an Elite Eight and a Sweet 16 was going to be a little bit down. They're in position to be at least Sweet 16 good again. And I did drop them a little bit in my bracket for today from a two to a three. Mostly that's because more of, of what Louisville has been doing lately. And, you know, they get a little bit of an edge. But Florida State still has, you know, Duke coming up on the road next Monday. And they host Louisville on the 24th. Mm. So this is a squad that still has a really good shot to, to win the ACC regular season on efficient championship be the number one seed in the ACC tournament, and more importantly, sneak up onto that one line because there's still room for them not only to get back to that two line, but to get to the one line if they can win at Cameron next Monday and then take out Louisville at home two weeks later. That would be a revenge game because they've already beaten Louisville at Louisville. So let's see uh, what happens. Uh, here for the Seminoles. All right, we're going to uh, start to to look forward here Tuesday night because that's most prevalent with the podcast getting rolling Tuesday. You mentioned Duke, Duke at Boston College. Um, Duke looked so impressive the other night at the Carrier Dome. So that one is uh, yeah. that one is rolling Tuesday. Depending on when they're hearing us, they would already know these results in the Big Ten. Real quick, mm-hmm. Rutgers at Maryland, Penn State at Michigan State. Either of those games uh, strike you right now uh, midweek. For Big Ten action? Both do. Rutgers really badly needs a road win at this point, and Maryland might be their best shot. I think that would be a good opportunity for them. They've kind of slid down a little bit. I had them at at one point as high as a 5 team. Now they're kind of in that 8-9 range. Maryland has asserted themselves as a top-16 team at this point. Um, Yeah, Michigan State and Penn State. Penn State has really quietly been putting together a really good season. You know, they're kind of in that 4-5 range. And Michigan State losing to Wisconsin on Saturday, you know, they're going to really be looking to kind of get back on track at home. So I think that's a crucial game kind of in that 4-5 range, um, a, a key differentiator in the Big Ten. All right. Uh, again, those are Big Ten matchups. Kentucky-Mississippi State with Kentucky off the tough loss Saturday night at Auburn, a game that could have gone either way. Mississippi State desperately needs this game for resume-building purposes at Rupp. It would help them a lot. Those are some top 25 games there Wednesday. Quickly uh, to Tuesday, I'm sorry, quickly to Wednesday. Big East is on my brain for Wednesday as we talk with Chris Dobertine, SB Nation, the resident bracketologist, uh, blogging the bracket and looking at these teams uh the big east we saw one huge road win this weekend after another road upsets uh in the big east now we have villanova butler wednesday night we have creighton at providence wednesday night we have georgetown that very much could use a resume builder at home with seton hall who just took their first loss off the big east buffet what stands out for wednesday chris (laughs) again all three of those games just because both Villanova and Butler coming off those losses. The Bulldogs have just really been sliding lately. They were, 
you know, a number one seed heading into January. Now they're kind of in that four or five range. Villanova's at the cusp where they could, could have probably gotten on the two line had they won on Saturday. Now they're still stuck on the three line. Seton Hall, it's a similar situation. They were two looking kind of like a three. They're going to slip a little bit further if they lose to a Georgetown team that really needs a quality win for its own resume purposes. And, and Creighton's another one of those teams, kind of like Penn State in the Big Ten, that's been quietly having a very good season. So they could use another victory to kind of get themselves into that top 16 protected seed type range. Big East right now has how many teams in in the Chris Daubertine bracket? Most most believe around six. Do you have six at the moment uh, yeah. subject to change? I have six. I put Xavier back in as the sixth team as of this Tuesday's bracket. All right. Love that. Are you ready? Are you ready? This is what the man does with the bracket. Let's go. Let's do it officially. Who's in, in or out, out for the big dance in March? All right. Time to go with the first installment. We flip the calendar to February in or out on certain teams. And again, we could sit here and do this all day, but I got ones that stand out. Alabama. Let's quickly talk about Alabama. 41 in the most recently uh, released net ranking. Is Alabama in or out, Chris? They're just out. Those two losses that they picked up over the week against LSU and Arkansas really kind of hurt them. Plus, their road record is not great. They're 2-5 on the road. They've got to start picking up victories away from Tuscaloosa. Yeah, they need to. Need to find a way. All right, another one as we go in or out. Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, right, I mean, they've got a couple of impressive wins. When you look at the resume, they're 44 in the net ranking. They have three quadrant one wins, which is important for the net ranking. Chris Dobertine, do you have the golfers of Richard Patino in or out at the moment in early February? They are out. Just just too many losses. 11 and 10 isn't going to cut it. If they can get themselves where the three or four games over 500 at the end of the season, I think they'll be okay because of their strength of schedule and because of the net and the strength of the Big Ten. But right now, they have got to start winning more games. And again, road record, 1-7. They've got to win away from home. About that. A large win for Cincinnati at home over yeah. Houston this past weekend. Does Chris have Cincinnati Bearcats in or out right now? They're out. They have no quad one wins yet. You know, Houston's just outside of that group at, at 34. So, that you know, if you have to be top 30 for a home win. And they also have... Four, they also have three quad three losses against teams ranked outside the top one hundred. They have a little more to. They have a little more to do. Uh, okay, again, the name is D O B B E R T E A N Dobertine for all the hate on Twitter and social media <laughs> for all you Alabama, Minnesota, and Cincinnati people. He has you all out at the moment. Blame him. Georgetown Hoyas. We mentioned Georgetown hosting Seton Hall midweek. In or out, Chris? Right now. <laughs> We're 0 for 4. Another oh. team that's out. And again, this is a squad that needs that win over wins needs a win over Seton Hall. Their best win is over Creighton, and that's the only victory they have right now over a team that's in the field. They're going to need a little bit more. Oh, my lord, I, I, are we going to blank this because Arizona State yeah. got the win <laughs> over Arizona? Arizona State playing UCLA Thursday night. Is that home? Is that Tempe or is that at Pauley for Thursday for Arizona State uh, coming up? Uh, Arizona State right now, what fifty seven? in the net 57 in the net for arizona state uh, i believe uh are they in or are they out got 58 in the net are they in or are they out they are also out so we're 0 and 5 and again it's <laughs> the win against arizona and very little else they they need to do a bit more the good thing working in their favor they have a four and three road record which is superior to pretty much everybody else we talked about Good strength of schedule, but they need more wins over teams that are going to potentially be in the field. All right, again, Arizona State playing the two California teams at home, UCLA, late night, Thursday night, USC, 
uh, late night Eastern time on Saturday night. Those, those aren't really going to help the resume. They're just wins, though, right? Because UCLA and USC also not tournament teams at the moment. You just got to hold serve well, right now, right? Yes? Well, US, I have USC in. USC's profile is a little better than you think, so that's going to be a crucial game for Arizona State on Saturday night. All right, something to keep an eye on. Plug away, Chris, on where they read more about you blogging the bracket, SB Nation, your social media, et cetera, where the fans can find out more, sir. Yes, uh, bracket on Tuesdays at SB Nation right now. Friday is a quasi-bracket, more of a look at the bubble and you know who's closest to the cut line, who's kind of locked up a bid, which we're, we're kind of getting to the point where we're getting more locks as the season goes on. And I will have more frequent updates as we get – further down the season and on SB, uh, blogging the bracket.com uh, my focus is on what the TV schedule has to offer which games should be paying attention to in regards to the net and and, and kind of what games you should be keeping an eye on for those purposes and we keep talking about the net again the NCAA has gone to this the last couple of years where they are putting more emphasis on a neutral floor win and a win away from home against the top teams, more so than the RPI. So pay attention to those net rankings. The, the cool thing is the NCAA makes that available every Monday where you can look at this and kind of uh, divide uh, and and figure it up. And this, this is what we love about uh, this time of the year. The hope for everybody is you still have a chance to win some games down the stretch of the season and help your resume, especially if you're in the top tier, the top, let's say, 10 or 12 conferences you have a chance to do that and the great thing about college basketball when you look at these net rankings chris you know this you look at the net rankings that have san diego state who we haven't talked about yet with you gonzaga and dayton in the top five that's not college football (laughs) because that's not alabama and michigan and usc and ohio state and the gators that is non-traditional non-power conference teams but uh, hey, the uh, the the NCAA, the NCAA tournament, the uh, the whole process here with selection uh, opens it up to the smaller conferences. And how about that? A top five with San Diego State, Gonzaga, and Dayton. Love it, Chris. Quick thought. Love it that that's there. And one thing I want to keep an eye on a Saturday is the NCAA is doing their now annual bracket exercise, where at least the top sixteen teams and where they be placed in the bracket. I'm very curious to see where those three teams in particular are going to end up. Because that's going to really kind of dictate my thought process on the rest of the bracket from the top all the way down for the rest of the season. Yeah, very interesting. They've started doing that, too, and giving you a peek into if it was today. But a lot of it is going to change depending on wins and losses and conference tournaments and that kind of stuff. He is Chris Dobertine, SB Nation. He is the resident bracketologist. He's been blogging the bracket for seven or eight years, I believe it is, for SB Nation. I love the insight. Promise longer. me that, that longer than that. <laughs> Promise me that we get to do this again as we get closer to that great month of March and around the, the official bracket release. Chris, it was a treat here. Thank you. Absolutely, TJ. Thank you so much. Love that insight from Chris Dobertine. And again, blogging the bracket is where you find him through the SB Nation family of websites. It's all he does is blogthebracket.com, bloggingthebracket.com. Love that from Chris. Still to come, Mark Wise will be with me talking SEC and American Conference basketball, and he has his three wise men. Deshaun Tate will be here. Mr. Tate's takes. Talking some Big Ten, talking some ACC uh, with him a little bit later on in the show. Three Dog Thursday is brought to you in part by Play Pick 6 and the mobile app. It is a free pick'em contest game that not only involves college basketball, but you can cross over sports with Play Pick 6. Go download it right now in the Google Play Store or in the Apple Store. It's absolutely free to play. Free, free, free to play. And again, unlike a lot of other prognostication games that you may have been playing during the football season, where you can only play NFL football or you can only play uh, college football. This one you can cross sports. Play college hoop games with NBA or NHL games this time of year. Do it all with the Play Pick 6 mobile app. Pick any six games in a given day. If you're correct, you get a great sports restaurant gift card for free. Enter for free. Sign up for free. Free chance to win. And here's a little secret, especially if you're picking these games for Saturday when there's so many games. If you pick a lot of games early and one of them bonks you, one of them bounces out on your Play Pick 6, you can reload again with the app on Play Pick 6 for your opportunity to win. So load up six more games and again, mix and match and pick all college basketball if you want. But mix and match with the NBA, the NHL, just Play Pick 6. You can find out more at PlayPick6.com. 
but also subscribe away. Go get that app. Download that app. It's in the Google Play Store. It's in the Apple Store. It's Play Pick 6. Pick any six games, and you win with Play Pick 6. Yes, indeed. We have flipped the calendar. It is now February. As I keep saying everywhere, it is the month before the month of March. And who better to help me talk about all of this, to break it down, the insight, the analysis, love all of it from Mark Wise, uh, who does a great job with the ESPN family of networks, SEC coverage midweek. He'll be working Ole Miss and South Carolina, depending on when you're hearing us, on the SEC network. Uh, And then he will be working American Conference basketball on the weekend. That is SMU and Temple in Philadelphia. So uh, I love leaning on Mark for all things, but in specific for those two conferences and what he's working. Good to have you, Coach. As the calendar uh, now says February, and that means March is not far behind, and the basketball now gets more and more important here in the coming weeks. TJ, we can't see the home stretch but it's pretty close to us. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, there is uh, there is no doubt. All right, so when last we talked, we were kind of in the preview mode uh, of a couple of interesting SEC games that were upcoming. We saw Kentucky and Auburn play a, a wild national television game that Auburn ended up winning, ended up pulling that out. You had Kentucky in the midweek. They struggled some with Vanderbilt, right. went on to win and then they could not get it done at Auburn. What were your thoughts on on Kentucky's week last week, including the Auburn win over them? Well, pretty understandable that they kind of fell into that classic, cliche, trap game against Vanderbilt. And that's not to take anything away from Vandy, who played really well in the game. But when you're at Texas Tech on one Saturday and you're at Auburn on the next Saturday and you're playing the team in the league that hasn't won a league game in the last – year and a half I mean it's pretty understandable the thing that would concern me there's two things and in baseball I'll use this analogy you know we always say in baseball you have to be good up the middle and that means you're pitching your middle infielders your center fielder your catcher so on and so forth well in basketball the same is true you must be good in my opinion at your point guard position and you must have some kind of presence in the low block and meaning it may not be a double-figure score, but it has to be a rim protector. And, and Kentucky has that in Hagen's at the point, and Nick Richards, who had been playing super um, in terms of the, his last uh, three or four weeks. However, this Kentucky team went to Auburn, and they were not good up the middle. Ashton Hagen's had six turnovers. Nick Richards uh, – uh, was kind of neutralized inside. And when that happens, and you have to rely on others, now Kentucky can win with others in terms of Maxi and quickly, but if you're not good up the middle, that's not a recipe for success, especially on the road in a in a hostile environment like Auburn. And despite Auburn not being able to make foul shots, they made enough big shots, including right? a couple of big threes, uh, that helped keep that a two-possession game at the very end to get the win. So now in the preview mode at the time that we're talking, again, depending on when you're hearing us on College Basketball Coast to Coast, you may already know these inter, uh, these uh, these results. Uh, while we're doing this interview, we obviously don't know them. Auburn at Arkansas Tuesday night. Huge SEC, game. SEC Huge Network. Game. And it's kind of a validation thing for Auburn. Now show that you can follow up that Kentucky win on the road at Arkansas real quick, right? Well, remember that Auburn only has two losses on the season, but they were both on the road in the league at Alabama and at Florida. So you're right. This is another test, another validation for Auburn as it kind of tries to strengthen its resume. I think Arkansas, because they won on the road at Alabama um, last weekend, they're safely in. But if you want to pad your own resume, here's a great opportunity, a quad one opportunity at home yeah no doubt Auburn right now 18 in the net Arkansas 35 in the net Mississippi State another team that you have had 37 in the net at Rupp Arena Tuesday night again you may already know this result if you're hearing us later in the week on college basketball coast to coast but that's that's kind of a big game as well for the Bulldogs and can Kentucky bounce back there at home at Rupp Arena as well let's move to the game that you'll be working for the SEC Network Wednesday night South Carolina Ole Miss 
And South Carolina trying to rise in the trajectory a little bit. 74 in the net. They do have three Quadrant 1 wins. So they are a team that they're not going to get a lot of benefit if they beat Ole Miss, but they're a team that is looking in the next two or three weekends to obviously move up. TJ, there are two teams in the country that I think kind of typify um, this basketball season in terms of its craziness, its unpredictability. One is Providence. And the other one is South Carolina, a team that started the year four and three, and then in a three-game stretch, won at Clemson, quality win, won at Virginia, more than a quality win. I don't care how much Virginia struggles scoring. So you win at Clemson, you win at Virginia, and then you lose at home to Stetson, uh, (laughs) one of those Evansville, Stephen F. Austin kind of games this season that we've seen. So you, then you follow that up by starting 0-2 in league play. But now the Gamecocks have won five of six. Uh, they're on the top half of the SEC standings. They're surging in a, in a little way. One of the most surprising things about South Carolina, everybody knows that Frank Martin's team plays a physical style of game. You can expect, expect a lot of fouls in the game. There are a lot of free throws. But I don't think people know how fast. South Carolina plays. They're 26th in tempo, according to Ken Palm, on the year. Um, it, it's a different kind of team, and they've evolved. Cousinari is playing so well as late. He's the one who had 26 in that win right. against Kentucky. So everybody knows about A.J. Lawson, and Mike Cozart is is the lone um, holdover from that uh, Final Four team. So. They're deeper, uh, they're healthier than they were earlier in the year with Keyshawn Bryant being back and part of the mix. So it's a it's a better South Carolina team as of late, and this is one of those like important games. It's not a resume builder, but it is a resume protector for South Carolina. Here's the other thing that you mentioned briefly. If you're 74th in the net, which is where South Carolina is, and you've beaten South Carolina – especially at South Carolina, you need them to keep winning and win games like this because it keeps them, it keeps that win as a quadrant one win. Because if you beat somebody on the road, one through 75, that qualifies. Very interesting point there. So a team like Houston, as you mentioned, beat South Carolina earlier in the year in December. Uh, but if South Carolina falls outside of the of the top 75 in the net, then it's not a quad one win anymore. So we'll keep uh, hammering that Houston home. Is rooting. Yep. Yep. Houston is rooting for South Carolina. Florida is rooting for South Carolina. Yeah, a couple teams to keep an eye on with that. And again, South Carolina got a recent road win at Arkansas, uh, which is 21 in the RPI. Uh, right now and 35 in the net that's a quality win so you're right you got to keep winning and they'll get some chances uh, at the end of the year with teams like Mississippi State and LSU and Alabama Mississippi State twice as a matter of fact late in the year to have quality uh, teams uh, that are going to be on the schedule just got to protect what they're doing here uh, with Ole Miss in Oxford on Wednesday night again Mark Wise will be on the call as part of the SEC network he's with me here on the college basketball coast-to-coast podcast we do have three wise men coming up stand by for that in a moment got to talk a little American conference uh, with you and what a great job by Tulsa to pull the upset of Wichita State this past weekend getting a great win on a last second shot at home we also saw Cincinnati hold the home floor against Houston speaking of them so the American is kind of shaking out and you're going to end the weekend here in Philadelphia with SMU and Temple SMU another team trying to make some noise for possibility of at large in the NCAA tournament yeah, this is a SMU team that is finally back to a full complement of scholarship players. They won 15 games a year ago. They were six and 12 in the league. Right now, they're 16 and five. They're six and three on the year. I mean, they're they're getting magnificent perimeter play from Davis, Jolly, and Mike. Uh, a fun team. It's the quickest. It's the most fast-paced team in the American. I think the the American is kind of. Uh, hung its hat this year on the defensive end, and SMU is sort of the opposite of that. However, TJ, I want to go back and combine the two leagues that I cover, the American and the SEC, because this time of the year, one of the things that I'm always worried about with teams is their health. 
and there's a significant injury in both of these leagues. And I'm going to start with your Memphis Tigers because DJ Jeffries, yep. who's a double-figure freshman score, has a knee issue. He's out four to six weeks. So now Memphis, again, is kind of retooling their lineup and, and how they play. Herbert Jones is such an important piece for Alabama. Had that nasty fall last week at LSU, had surgery on his wrist. He's out indefinitely. So, you know, when we start talking about what ingredients do you need to be successful in March, one of those ingredients is being healthy, and that really concerns me about those two programs. Yep, look out for them. And again, at the time that we're taping, you're going to have Temple on the weekend. They play at Memphis midweek Wednesday night in the American. On Thursday night in the American, Cincinnati-Wichita State, very intriguing. Uh, again, yes. that that game is very relevant for Cincinnati in terms of quad one, right, going to Wichita State in this instance. Yes. So that, that one's a big one too, Mark. And then we get to Saturday and Sunday. You've got the SMU-Temple game. That's probably the biggest game of Saturday. But then on Sunday, Wichita State rematch with Houston and also yep. Cincinnati at UConn. So the, the round robin all week in the American. This is a huge week, I think, for Wichita State, hosting Cincinnati, then going on the road at Houston. Uh, I had the first Houston game where they went into Wichita State and kind of manhandled the Shockers. Uh, um, so, it, it, again, Wichita State safely in for now, but here's some big opportunities for their team to improve their seating. Yeah, no doubt about that. And, again, Mark will be working on ESPNU, SMU Temple coming on Saturday there in American Conference playing again the American with several Sunday games uh, that matter. And I, I, th- I have a feeling it might factor into three wise men. Let's go. Let's get it rolling. And now it's time for Mark Wise's Three Wise Men. These can be, uh, again, players. These can be coaches. These can be uh, administrators. This could even be the women's game. Huge win. Speaking of UConn, huge win for Oregon in the women's game at UConn. Big ups to the Lady Ducks. Uh, Give them an honorable mention. I don't even know what the three wise men are, but here we go. Uh, Give me wise man number one. Well, you're stealing my thunder, TJ. Who was the most iconic player on the men's side a year ago? Think one word, one name only. I, I think that's got to be Zion, right, from Duke? No question. You don't have to add, You don't have to say his last name. If you say Zion, everybody knows who you're talking about. On the women's side this year, if you say Sabrina, everybody knows who you're talking about. I think she will be the player of the year on the women's side, Sabrina INSU, for Oregon. And you mentioned the Oregon going into UConn on Monday night and giving the Huskies their worst home defeat in Gamble Pavilion in, in school history. So I don't know <laughs> what the gap is between three and four because uh, it, it seemed pretty wide the other night. That's a huge win for that program and Coach Kelly Grays. But wise woman, number one, Sabrina. Yeah, we uh, yeah, one word. We don't even go over this very much, so I did. We were on the same wavelength. It starts to scare me. And of course, the South Carolina women's program is the number one ranked uh, program right now. Dawn Staley's program, and you're uh, you're headed in for South Carolina and Ole Miss on the men's program in Oxford. So there's a lot of women's basketball talk there. All right, I'm anxious to hear wise man, woman number two. What do you have? Well, you know, I'm I'm always fond of coaches who get it done over the long haul. And, and you go through some ups and downs, and, and sometimes your teams are really good and you can play in the NCAA tournament, and sometimes you labor around the middle of the league. But how about the job that James Jones has done at Yale over his career? And last year they won 22 games. They lost to Har- Harvard in the Ivy Tournament. Well, they're back at the top again this year, 16-4. and four. They're 4-0 four and oh in, in conference play. So one of those guys that quietly goes about his business in a big-time way, the head coach for Yale, James Jones. They are 52 in the net, by the way, uh, and Yale uh, right now overall at 14-4 and four in the Ivy League. So, uh, yeah, and they're, and they're a team that pulled off an upset a couple of years ago in the NCAA tournament with James Jones there at the helm. So keep an eye on them. 
Uh, by the way, Yale and Harvard uh, coming on Friday night, Mark Wise, in the Ivy League. Always the big yep. rivalry. First of two meetings. That's Friday night at New Haven, at Yale, uh, for that one. And it will also be on the U. Little Friday night Ivy League. Mark Wise might have a little Friday night Ivy League on in the hotel <laughs> prior to SMU Temple Saturday Count on, on the U. Uh, on coming up there. From the, okay, I'm anxious to hear another wise man, wise man number three for this week, Coach. TJ, you're going to have to stay with me on this one. Wichita State played at Tulsa, and in the last minute of the game, the score is tied. Wichita State has the ball, but they have to shoot. There's a big difference between shot clock and game clock. So they shoot with about 25 seconds to go in the game. They miss the shot, get the offensive rebound, and the player who got the offensive rebound, Jamarius Burton, was in a tough spot, so he calls timeout immediately. So – in the old days, what are we thinking? It's last shot opportunity, yes, right? Yes. Not anymore. Not with the new reset to 20 seconds on the offensive rebound. So that changed the complexion of the game. There ended up being the officials went to make sure there's a timing correction. 3.5 second differential now between the shot clock and the game clock. As a result, Wichita State has to shoot, and they have a shot clock violation. They have they fumble the ball in the lane, don't get off a look. Tulsa gets the ball, throws it inbounds to wise man number three, Elijah Joyner, who went for a career high in the game. He goes down, makes the 28-footer at the buzzer. Tulsa wins at home over Wichita State, and don't look now, but Frank Hayes' team on top in the American. How about who had that at the beginning of the year? And Joyner's father, you saw this, Mark, and a lot of the fans here yep. saw this yep. as well, had never seen him play at Tulsa. His father lives in Chicago. His father in the house, on the floor, hugging him. It wasn't March, but that was like a March moment with a last-second shot and hugging Dad uh, to see that. And again, you and I go back and forth. I love kidding you. You love kidding me. Uh, I love the broken play. I love I love get the ball to a guy. You don't have to have a timeout. Go make it. Yes, it's not a high percentage shot, but he made it. Uh, and what a moment for Tulsa. What a story. And again, and again, they have now got what wins over Houston, over Memphis, and over Wichita State at this point. So they're making yeah. living on Tulsa time, making some noise as part of the wise men there. They're just on the outside looking in, but you keep collecting wins like this. Uh, they're going to be in the mix. Yeah, we look we look forward to seeing if they can get in the mix uh, as well. We love this guy in the mix. Follow him at MW Hoops on Twitter. He's a great follow. He previews kind of the week, midweek on Wednesday. Uh, he's got the Friday Five. He looks back on Mondays. MW Hoops on Twitter, on social media. He is working South Carolina Ole Miss Wednesday night. You may already know that result with Gamecocks and Rebels SEC Network. Uh, on Wednesday night, and then on Saturday, ESPNU and the American SMU and Temple. He is Mark Wise. I love it. I love the insight. Thank you again for making time for me, sir. Have a great call on both of those games. Thanks, TJ. Truly is college basketball coast-to-coast. Another friendly reminder, subscribe away on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, subscribe to College Basketball Coast to Coast. It comes automatically to you. Right now we're in the midweek preview mode, looking at the games Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And again, you can find that podcast. It'll come automatically to your phone, to your iPad, your listening device, right away by subscribing. Rate us and review us as well. It'll move up on the charts wherever, again, from Spotify to Google Podcasts to Apple Podcasts. It'll move right up in the rankings if you rate us and review us real quick. Love that as we head towards March. Love this, man. We have not done this as of yet on the College Basketball Coast to Coast podcast for 2020. That's roll out the red carpet for Mr. Tate's take based in Atlanta. Love the insight of Deshaun Tate, who is back uh, with me. Always good to be with you. Happy hoops. Uh, February means March is near. I can't see you, but I have to believe you're smiling. How are things? Yeah, man. You've uh, that, that, first of all, I appreciate you having me on. You know what? I am so excited for you know all of that gridiron stuff, that pigskin stuff that you guys <laughs> love so much to completely be over with. Now, I almost feel like I have to kind of 
ask the uh, the, the the gods of the gridiron if, to, to fill out my permission slip for me so I can have my basketball season back. <laughs> can we talk about the round ball, not the oblong pigskin, please? Can we talk about the rawhide round ball and put it through the uh, the iron hoop at 10 feet high we love it. it. It is a great time to be talking college basketball. And let's dive right in. Uh, Deshaun is based in Atlanta, does a lot of work with 92.9 The Game, the uh, the all-sports radio station in Atlanta. But he's also got a Michigan background and a Michigan State background. So I want to lean first on Big Ten, if that's okay, and then come back around to ACC country uh, as well. Uh, so let, we haven't talked Big Ten really on this podcast at the moment here. So I want I want to delve in uh, with you. Give me some insight. A Tuesday night in the Big Ten that has the likes of Rutgers at Maryland, Ohio State at Michigan. Depending on when they're hearing us again, Deshaun, they may already know the results of these games. And Penn State at Michigan State. So those are the Tuesday night games of interest in the Big Ten. What jumps out right now midweek about any any of those teams or any of those matchups? You got one for me, real quick. I do actually. Uh, the Ohio State and Michigan game, two teams that at the towards the begin, little after the beginning of the season, in the first few weeks of the season, you know, started out in uh, you know was top three, top four in the country. Both slid quite a bit actually, and uh, you know, I think that's going to be a very very interesting matchup. Uh, funny to see that they're actually uh, you know tied for eleventh place in the Big Ten. I know that you know it, remind, it reminds me quite a bit of the SEC in football where people say, hey, they beat up on each other. It seems like every other game or every game even, it kind of seems like that's what's happening right now in the Big Ten, especially for those two teams where this matchup between these two teams specifically uh, is going to hold a lot of weight when it comes to uh, their actual resumes and when Selection Sunday rolls around. That would be one that you might want to highlight. And then, of course, Rutgers in Maryland is even going to be a really good one. I think Rutgers probably been more of the surprise more than anybody in this conference in Maryland, certainly in a, a top 10 ranked team right now. Uh, and they're uh, in second place of the Big Ten right now as well. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see those two particular matchups and how things pan out going forward. And and you've got net rankings. And, and again, it's not only the net ranking you're going to look at everything because Ohio State, for example, has seven losses right now, 14 and 7. Michigan has eight losses. I know you know this, Deshaun, at 13 and 8. Ohio State is 20th in the net because of the wins and the strength of schedule earlier in the year. Michigan is 31. Rutgers is 28 right now in the net playing this game at Maryland. Big 10 right now, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 8 teams, 35 or higher in the net. This is a strong conference, obviously, Deshaun. Extremely strong conference. And and like I said, that's minus two teams that could potentially get in with Ohio State and Michigan-Ohio State being a team that, you know, beat Kentucky, also beat Villanova, two top 15 teams. Michigan beat the, you know, arguably should could consider themselves to be number one in the country. And Gonzaga, their only loss, Michigan beat them by 30 points on a neutral site. So, you know, th- those are two teams I like to think is, is really trying to work hard towards, uh, you know, getting – to a point where they don't have to be on the bubble, which is pretty much where they live right now. But as far as those net rankings and everything else, let me tell you something. That's something new that they just put in place, the NCAA. I personally, I go a little bit more off of the eye test. The numbers are great. Ken Palm and all this other goofy stuff, that sounds great. It's awesome. (laughs) But the reality of it is I think there's too much emphasis being put on some of that stuff because at the end of the day, you still have to play, you know, 40 minutes in a game and uh, wherever you're going to be seated, whether you're going to be on the outside looking in or whether you're going to be right there in the tournament, you're going to have to win your six games if you want to cut this whole thing down. Well, and, and you bring up a great point. I don't poo-poo all the metrics and all the, all the different stuff, but you can't look at Ohio State right now and tell me that they look like a top 20 team, one of the best teams in the Big Ten. Obviously, they don't. Yet their net ranking would tell you they're one of the top 20 teams in the country. So you got to be careful about the metric versus the eyeball test of how they've looked recently, et cetera, et cetera. And again, depending on when they're hearing us, 
Iowa at Purdue is Wednesday night. We're in the preview mode on college basketball, coast to coast. Wisconsin at Minnesota. Wisconsin off the win over Michigan State. And look, let's have some fun. After the debacle of the Iowa caucuses with all the electronics and the app and whatever, they need Iowa basketball to go get a big win Wednesday night to get the Iowa caucuses kind of off the front page right now in middle America. Iowa basketball needs to step up, Deshaun Tate. That they do. Uh, and one guy that's been stepping up for them all season has been Luca Garza. You know, the, the job that, uh, you know, Fran McCaffrey has been able to do with this, with this team. Sometimes I think he works himself up a little bit too much. And I'm all you think? fiery coaches. You think? You know, a little? You know, you know, I'm a, they were you know, ready I'm to rumble. Wait, wait. They were ready to rumble in the handshake <laughs> line with Illinois the other day. I think you're right. It is a little uh, worked up. Just a bit, just a tad. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm not against any fiery coaches. I'm a Tom Izzo guy, so I'm all for it. But I will say enough to say that Iowa is a uh, is a program that not only is, is playing really good basketball, but, you know, their resume also looks the part as well. Uh, and this is a team that is going on the road. They're playing at Purdue. Purdue is always really tough to play uh, over there at, in West Lafayette. So it, it, it's just going to be another – you know, game in the Big Ten where it seems like the opposing team that's, you know, the, the, the visiting team is really having a tough time in the Big Ten coming away with, you know, adding a number to the left side of the result column when they travel on the road. Yeah, Iowa 21 in the net, seven quadrant one wins. Purdue only two quadrant one wins. This would be a big one if they can get that uh, on Wednesday night as well. So there's a little Big Ten uh, conversation uh, here out of this. I want to morph over to the ACC. Again, at the time that we're talking and we're debuting the College Basketball Coast to Coast podcast, we're in the preview mode. You may already know the results on Tuesday. Deshaun is headed to Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech. He will be OL on location in person for that ACC showdown coming Tuesday. This is really a game, while we stop on that for a moment, where Virginia Tech, for resume purposes, uh, they they that's a bad loss if they lose to Georgia Tech. Meanwhile, Georgia Tech is right around ninety, I think, in the net, eighty nine in the net. Virginia Tech is up thirty spots almost in front of them. So Georgia Tech could help themselves a little bit here if they get this win. Um, it's an interesting one, but Virginia Tech more so right now, trying to hang in there as one of the ACC kind of middle of the pack teams, right? It is no that that's very true. Let me say this real quick. I just want to step back just for a quick second uh, on that game because the when we were talking about the Iowa and the Purdue game just real fast, uh, Travion Williams and Matt Harms would be a very, very good challenge for Luca Garza. So I know that that's going to be a front court battle. But gotcha. outside of that, um, you know, when you're talking about this Georgia Tech game coming up tonight and uh, Georgia Tech has a problem, you know, with turnovers. They, they turn the ball over far way too often and Virginia Tech actually is a team that um, obviously looking for a win, could use a win to kind of help themselves. They can't afford any losses right now. At one point, they looked really good at the beginning of the season, even beat Michigan State over in the Maui Invitational. But Georgia Tech can keep games close. They keep game, they, they have a very tough time, you know, finishing games. I talked to Josh Pastner not too long ago. He said, look, we're right there. I know we haven't turned the corner yet. I know it sounds like a lot of excuses, but we're literally just right there. Well, what is also right there is a lot of those turnovers. And that's not helping them very much. They're going to have to try to avoid and prevent more of those if they want to come away with a victory tonight against the Hokies. All right, and in the Hokies' case, they have Georgia Tech. They come back home with Boston College. Boston College playing Duke also on Tuesday night. But then it gets tougher. Virginia Tech's schedule beefs up uh, with Pitt. They have Duke later. They have Virginia later. They have Louisville later. So there's going to be some big-time games for Virginia Tech in front of them. Got to take care of business against Georgia Tech, obviously, in this matchup. Uh, Let's move ahead to Wednesday night in the ACC. What do you have your eye on? I got a couple of games I'm looking at. Pitt at Notre Dame. Clemson at defending champion Virginia. What, What do you think about one or either of those matchups? I think actually both of the matchups are going to be really good. A lot of people taking Pitt for granted this year. They're not one of those teams that you want to take for granted. I mean, they're sixth in the ACC, and I know that the ACC isn't what it once was, and North Carolina is tied for last place, but Notre Dame plays really well at home. You have a Clemson team who beat that North Carolina team and beat the Duke team when they were on their home floor this year. 
Virginia coming away with a really good win from last week against Florida State. So the defending champs aren't nearly what they, you know, what they were. That's obvious, but they're still going to play really tough within that system, beat you up on the backboard. Uh, and and uh, Mamadi Diakite is, you know, one of the better forwards uh, in the ACC as well. So I think that that's going to prevent or going to present rather uh, a really tough challenge for Clemson. Well, and Clemson obviously has a couple of huge wins, including beating Duke uh, in the home game. Um, I'm anxious to see uh, Clark, the the outstanding guard. He really mm-hmm. uh, helped uh, Virginia pull out that win over Florida State last weekend. I know you were high on this kid from the national championship team when we were around each other in Minnesota. You were telling me this is a kid mm-hmm. out of California, right, that Tony Bennett convinced to come all the way east to Charlottesville, Virginia. That is correct. Yeah, his well, he played in that uh, on the AAU on the Nike EYBL circuit uh, with the uh, with the Oakland Soldiers, and I, I tell you what, this kid, I think at, at that time he had verbally committed to UC Davis as his best offer. Next thing you know, a year or two later, he's the <laughs> starting point guard for the national champion. So uh, you know that Tony Bennett just has a way of. Uh, you know, kind of finding those, you know, those hidden gems and things like that. Uh, and they've certainly got one with Kahi Clark. Yep, there's a lot of different stories that are like that where you go find somebody. I mean, uh, the, the most classic example is nobody knew when uh, Bob McKillop assigned a kid named Steph Curry that he was anything other than Dale Curry's son. And, and after about six to eight games at Davidson, people were going, how in the world in the middle of ACC country did an ACC school not grab Steph Curry? Uh, and what he was able to do. So it just it sometimes works out that way. You find a kid, you latch on to him, you develop him, and and then he blossoms with his own talent and his own ability uh, as an example. And that Pitt-Notre Dame game, very interesting. It's an ACC network game on Wednesday night in the preview mode. Uh, probably a it's, a it's a big big one for both of them, but for Notre Dame, uh, it is a chance to play a Pitt team that is 75 right now in the net. Notre Dame 63 in the net playing at home. So if Pitt can win that game, that's a quadrant one win uh, in this net ranking system. Pitt is two and five in quadrant one games right now. They could pick one up against um, against Notre Dame if they're able to get a victory coming in that matchup uh, on Wednesday night. So again, we're in the preview mode. Deshaun Tate hanging with me. Tate's Take is his Twitter handle. Uh, Tate's Take is the podcast as well, wherever you find podcasts. I love his uh, insight. Uh, Deshaun also does a lot of great work with the uh, sports radio station in Atlanta, 92.9 The Game. Um, all right, so if I were to say to you, and I did prep you to give me, I don't know what the answer is, give me a coaching job. Give me a coach and a coaching job that we are not talking enough about, Deshaun. What would you say? Well, uh, to be honest with you, as crazy as this may sound, I think that we may have probably too many. I mean, Leonard Hamilton came in with a team that I, after losing what they have, and not just last year, but over the course of the last few years, I I really didn't expect this. They've arguably been one of the bigger surprises. I mean, you also got Scott Drew, obviously, who's the number one team, number one team in the country in Baylor. Uh, Brian Dutcher, how can we forget him? Now, most people say, I don't even know who in the heck this guy is. Well, yeah, he's the guy that's the San Diego State head coach this year. To your point, point, (laughs) if you quizzed 10 basketball fans right now, and said, who's the coach of San Diego State? Nine, if not ten of them, would say to Sean Tate, they would say, Steve Fisher, oh, right? Oh, Steve Fisher, right, absolutely. Right, And then if you were to say to them, Steve Fisher hasn't been the coach at San Diego State for three seasons, ten out of ten would go, get out of here. You're crazy. But yes, that mm-hmm. is the ca- mm-hmm. that's the case, right? That's the point you're making uh, yeah, about absolutely. flying under the radar. That's- Absolutely. You know, that, that, that's definitely the case. And, uh, you know, they're, they're unbeaten, the only unbeaten team left in the country right now. And, you know, the, 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 he's not the only one. The job that Brad Underwood has done so far, we start talking about how difficult that the Big Ten is this, this season. Uh, and he's got Illinois rolling it tied for first place in, uh, in, in the Big Ten. And then there's Will Wade from LSU, who is unbeaten in conference play as well. So, 
yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to believe. And they even lost quite a few pieces off of last year's teams as well. But those are just a couple of guys to name a few. You've got Dutcher, you've got Scott Drew. You know, I, I know that we can definitely throw in you know, Kevin Willard and Dana Altman and Anthony Grant from Dayton doing a phenomenal <laughs> job. I mean, if, if I asked anybody, Sean for one. He's got like 17 coaching, but you're right. Hey, Anthony Grant at Dayton. <laughs> Dutcher at San Diego State. These are not programs with McDonald's All-Americans growing on trees. You're not in a Power Six that includes the Big East with the other five. You're you're in a in a mid-major or a lesser conference, lesser budget to work with uh, across the board, and yet they're getting it done. Those guys got to give them yeah. credit. Anthony Grant was given up on after being fired at Alabama. So that's a great point. Mm -hmm. Brad Underwood was in big trouble after his first year at Illinois when they were awful. And now look how they've turned it around. That's kind of the point, right, about great coaching jobs. Yeah, I'm not really surprised with what Underwood has been able to do. You know, looking at this team last year defensively, I thought was that playing at a very elite level, struggled a lot of times on the the offensive end. But they've got two guys between Ayo Desumu uh, and, uh, and, and and Kofi. Coburn, want to make sure you can't say that three times fast, who's just an absolute monster, like a man, like a mini shack in the middle. It's almost like this guy's not even real. It's like he's a machine. Uh, you know, that, that that's a team that's now become a little bit more balanced between their offense and their defense. Again, tied for first place in the Big Ten, man. You've got to tip your cap because that was a team I expected coming into the season that was going to be right around where they are right now. They lose to Arizona by somewhere close to 30 points and lose a couple other games following that up, Missouri and their rivalry. And it just didn't really look like what I was thinking was going to come to fruition. And where some teams, you know, tend to peak early, they weren't one of those teams. I'd rather be playing late in the season, my better brand of basketball than earlier. And Illinois and Maryland, by the way, in the preview mode, will play Friday. Maryland playing midweek, playing Tuesday, as we mentioned, hosting Rutgers. Illinois not playing midweek. They are lying in wait for Friday night in Champaign for a showdown on FS1, a national cable Friday night Big Ten matchup, Illinois and Maryland. This guy's always showing up for big-time matchups. Plug away on where they hear, find, and read you on social media, etc. with Tate's Take, Deshaun. Please and thank you. You can find that podcast, uh, like you said, anywhere that you can find podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Red Circle, the whole nine. You can Google it, do whatever you need to do in order to find it. If all else fails, feel free to reach out to me on the Twitter, Instagram, include it at Tate Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. By the way, that is where basketball lives. Yes, Tate's Take, uh, Tate's Take Hoops. Uh, on the social media, and again, Tate's Take is the podcast. Basketball does live there. Um, Great job here. I look forward to talking to you many more times as we head from February into March. Deshaun, great stuff. I appreciate you hanging midweek with me on College Basketball Coast to Coast, sir. Thank you much, TJ. You guys go ahead and subscribe to that. There's no biased basketball uh, opinions given, nothing but stats and facts and some really good information, informative and educational stuff as well. Thanks, TJ. And there he goes. Love that insight of Deshaun Tate. Again, subscribe to his podcast. Follow him on social media. Tate's Take Hoops is how you find him on social media, on Instagram. And on Twitter, by the way, haven't mentioned as of yet a lot of Pac-12. We did touch on it all the way back at the beginning of the podcast about Arizona State playing UCLA Thursday night, uh, West Coast time. That's an eight primetime game uh, from Tempe, uh, 11 p.m. Eastern time. Also, Cal at Colorado in Pac-12 play. And USC needs to help their resume uh, playing at Arizona in Tucson. So again, Cal, Colorado, USC, Arizona. Those games coming on Thursday. Also Stanford and Utah as well in uh, in Pac-12 play. And of course, uh, as we made mention right now, Gonzaga uh, and San Diego State up near the top. Uh, San Diego State number one in the net at 22-0. and 
the Aztecs, we keep asking, can anybody in the Mountain West potentially trip them up, particularly at home? You only have now six regular season games remaining for that to happen. Uh, They will next play, will San Diego State at Air Force, which has a losing record. They're 197 in the net. They should be able to win that game. Might Boise State have something for San Diego State? That one coming a week from Sunday. One final road game is at Nevada at the very last game of the regular season on Leap Day on February 29th. So three road games left for San Diego State to try to finish 28-0 if they can in the regular season. Keep an eye on the Aztecs as uh, as Deshaun Tate was just talking there at the end. And, and everybody knows about Gonzaga and what Mark Few has built. Final Four team a couple of years ago. They are 23-1. and They got a scare from USF San Francisco. Remember, we were joking with Roxy Bernstein last week about USF in the San Francisco Bay Area and USF South Florida in the Tampa Bay Area. Well, the Dons of San Francisco uh, gave... Uh, Gonzaga all they could handle in an 83-79 game back last Saturday. Gonzaga will now play lowly Loyola Marymount this week, but then play St. Mary's on the weekend Saturday at St. Mary's. St. Mary's 33 in the net. Keep an eye on that game for the Zags. Always a rivalry with St. Mary's in the West Coast Conference. All right, there you go. There are uh, the different matchups that are going on this week. A reminder, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, subscribe away to College Basketball Coast to Coast. My thanks again to Chris Dobertine uh, from bloggingthebracket.com, the SB Nation website. Follow him at Chris Dobertine, D-O-B-B-E-R-T-E-A-N. Chris Dobertine to follow him. Mark Watt. Great job with the SEC Network and the American Conference Basketball on the ESPN family of networks. Follow him at MW Hoops. And Deshaun Tate out of Atlanta talking nothing but basketball on Tate's Take Hoops. Tate's Take Hoops on social media as well. I am TJ Reeves. Follow this show at CBB Coast to Coast with the number two. CBB Coast to Coast to follow college basketball coast to coast on social media. Subscribe to the podcast. We're back soon, soon to talk much more of the college hoops from everywhere, from sea to shining sea. It's the nation's college basketball show and podcast. It is college basketball coast to coast.